Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. What a song, powerful song. I choose Christ. Well, I hope you've done that. And if you haven't, perhaps today you will. That's my prayer. I want to thank our choir, fantastic job choir, leading us in choral worship and our praise team and all of you taking part. And so it's a good time of worship. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. One, Romans chapter 5, Philippians chapter 4. Romans chapter 5, Philippians 4. This is not the sermon I was going to preach last week. Um, I just kindly set that one aside, and I'll share that with you at a later time. But uh, I want to share with you about the peace of God. Years and years ago, I preached a sermon entitled The Peace of God. I titled this The Peace of God because um, we talk about peace a lot. And I referred some, uh, I guess... Uh, 16 years to, to the peace of God and what I discovered in that sermon and I wanted to go back and revisit this passage of Scripture and talk about the peace with God and the peace of God. We're going to look first at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, if you would, just put a marker there somehow and turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, familiar passage, begin reading with verse 1. Philippians chapter 4. Paul's speaking to the church, Philippians, Philippian church, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and Synthike, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, Help these women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Mark that page some way. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5. And we'll look, first of all, at peace with God. You're taking notes. Now, the Bible teaches us that there is a peace with God, 
and there's a peace of God. And we want to see the difference in that this morning. There's a difference between the two. So first of all, we want to think about the peace with God found in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 5 of Romans. Look at that again. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, but whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Peace with God. Being justified by faith, we have. Now that word have there, that's, that's definite. We have. We have peace with God. Being justified, put a little parenthesis around that, or underline it. Being justified, how are we justified? By faith, underline that. We have what? We have, underline half, we have peace with, underline peace, underline with, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he starts out by saying being justified. Now what's justification? If we're justified, what's justification? Justification is a judicial act of God. A, a judicial act is when, it's when a judge hands down a decree. And the point is, spiritually speaking, the judge of the universe, Almighty God, judicially declares the sinner. Now, who's the sinner? The sinner who's recognized they're under this control of the old Adam. They have this Adamic nature. We're all born with that nature. We're sinners by nature. We have Adam's nature. We're sinners. We're all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then all of a sudden we recognize that we have this so sinful nature. We have this Adamic nature. And we ask Christ to forgive us, to come into our life, save us. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came and He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He arose again. And so judicially, Jesus declares the sinner, judicially, that person who recognizes that they're under the control of this old Adam to be justified. Now that word justified means, easy way to remember it, is just as they have never sinned. Think of that. So when does this justification take place? When we believe, when we trust, put our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what's the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, if you'll just make a note or turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at what the Bible says the gospel is. Begin reading with verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Now he's fixing to tell us what the gospel is. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I've preached unto you, which is the gospel, unless you've believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that, Christ, or that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. That's the gospel. Now, if you add anything to the gospel, you nullify the gospel. 
If you add your good works, I'm good. I'm on, I believe I can make it just by being good, you know, acting good, being nice. I'm a pretty good fella, you know, or a pretty good lady. You know, the Bible says your righteousness are as filthy rags. So you're not as good as you think you are because the Bible says for all of us have this Adamic nature. So we're sinners by nature. But the gospel is that we put our faith and trust, our belief in the, the coming of Jesus Christ, His death on the cross for our sins, His burial, His resurrection. And when we realize that we're sinners living and being guided by this oedemic nature, humble our heart, trust, believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, then He forgives our sins, He saves us judicially as the, God, as the judge of the universe, declares us justified, and sees us just as we've never sinned. And then we have peace with God. Now, that's one truth, that's one reality that we have. We have peace. When you're saved, you have peace with God. Don't that make you feel good to know that you have peace with God? Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now, the question this morning is this. Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? Well, what does that mean? Does that mean to have a tranquil mind toward God? No. Does that mean that you just have a good feeling about God? It doesn't mean that. So let me explain it this way. To have peace with God. Do we have, do we have peace in Iraq? We don't have peace in Iraq. We have what? War. We have peace in Afghanistan? No, we had some killed this week. We have what? We have war. So if you don't have peace, you have war. And if you don't have peace with God, you have war with God. The Bible says you're an enemy. We're enemies of God until we're reconciled with God. Here's the point. Paul's not speaking about good vibes about God, good feelings about God, good memories about God. Paul is speaking about a relationship with God. The point is, I was once at war with God, but by faith through the Lord Jesus, I have peace with God. Now think of that. The war is over between me and God. It's over. I have, I have no longer afraid of death, no longer afraid of hell, no longer afraid of the grave, no longer afraid of judgment, no longer afraid of condemnation, no longer afraid of wrath. Why? Because I have peace with God. Now, if you would drop down uh, to verse 10, Romans chapter 5, verse 10. I like, I'll, I'll read this from the New American Standard Version. I really like this translation on this verse. It says in verse, uh, chapter 5, Romans 5, verse 10, For it was while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. You were made peace with God. You were reconciled with God. When you were what? enemies you are reconciled to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life and so when you get saved you have peace with God until then you're an enemy of God you're not a child of God I hear I'm listening to television and Oftentimes you have, well, we're all children of God. No, you're a child of Adam. You become a child of God 
when you receive Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Now, what about this peace of God real quick? Now, first of all, now being saved, I don't have to worry about God's wrath. I have peace with Him. But to, to have peace of God, there are certain requirements. If you would look back to uh, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to go with these real quick, and you need to write these down, but I'll try to remember you're taking notes. Now, to, and I said to have peace with God, you have to have certain meet certain requirements. There, there are conditional clauses that's connected to the peace of God that passes all understanding. And you're going to find these conditional clauses in order to have peace of God in verses 1 all the way down through verse 6. And verse 7 says, when you meet those conditional clauses and the peace of God which passes all understanding, it will dwell in you. So let's look at these. So these are conditional clauses. Now all of us, I, I know, we desire the peace of God. Verse 7 says it goes beyond all understanding. It means you can't describe the peace of God. Uh, you, you don't understand it, but you can experience the peace of God. And if you're a believer, I know there's some time, one time, many times, that you've experienced this peace of God. I experienced this when my father passed away. I just had this overwhelming peace that came over me. The tornado, you've heard my testimony. When I came off the hill, looked down at the church, I had God's Spirit bore witness with my spirit. Everything's going to be all right. I had this peace that came over me. It was the peace of God. So you can testify. Some of you can testify that there have been times in your life when a tragedy, a tragedy came or um, storms came or a conflict came, criticism came, and all of a sudden you cried out to God and something happened. You can't explain it, but it made you stand calm and tall and, and brave, and you, have, you were able to have victory over whatever you thought might been a great battle. You had the peace of God. You've noticed it in the lives of other people. I've noticed it in some of your lives. You have this overwhelming peace. I refer to Vera Scott oftentimes. Vera had this peace of God and, and the trials that she's been through. You know, her husband had cancer. You saw this peace of God, her life, his life. Their daughter was, was murdered. There was this peace of God. Then after Judy was murdered, uh, R.B., passed away, and, and then the tornado came, blew her house away. Then she had a stroke prior to that. It's just this peace of God all over her. You've seen other people with it. They just remain calm, collective, brave, tall. They have this peace of God. Now, how, how could they stand that way, be that way? Well, the peace of God that passes all understanding. So what will this peace do? Look at verse 7, if you will. Of Philippians chapter 4. What will this peace do? It will keep you. You see that? And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Now that word keep doesn't mean you'd hide. Uh, hide it hides you like a treasure. Keeping bad things happening to you. It's not that. It keeps you. That's a military term. It means to guard. It means to keep in custody. To build a fortress around. And so Paul is saying, listen, when I go through difficult times in my life, it's in prison, all of a sudden God keeps me. He builds this fortress 
this area of peace around me, around my mind, and around my heart. There's this peace all around me. He keeps me in his peace. It's the peace of God. His peace was a fortress that guarded his heart, guarded his emotions, his thoughts. God says, there's a peace available to you that nobody understands, and this peace will build a fortress around your heart and mind. All of us as Christians, we've experienced that from one time or another, sometime or another. Now, but the problem with us is this. Sometimes we'll have it, sometimes we won't. Sometimes we'll have the peace, sometimes it won't be there. How would you like to have that peace 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year? Wouldn't it be good just walk around peace God all the time? Well, you can do that. He tells us that. We can do it. How can we do that every, every day? Well, you know, he, he points out some very important things. He begins, if you will, look at verse 7, and the peace of God. You see that and, that conjunction? That means you can't have hold of verse 7 until you get hold of verses 1 through 6. So you've got to have verses 1 through 6, and that leads up to verse 7, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. So verse 1 through 6 gives the conditions. And so let's look at them right quick. To have the peace of God, first of all, there must be consistency. Look at verse 1. Verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, long far crowns, so stand fast. That's the consistency. In order to get to verse 7, you've got to have a consistency. How's your consistency? You're not going to have the peace of God. No, it's going to be at verse 7 if you're not consistent. How are you inconsistent reading your Bible? How are you consistent in tithing? How are you consistent in attending church? You think you're going to have the peace of God and you drop into the house of worship once a month or uh, uh, try to get it on your own as far as your personal Bible study that perhaps you don't have. You think you're going to have the peace of God and you're not consistent in a prayer life, a Bible study life, a worship life, a discipleship training life, and you wonder why you can't have the peace of God in your life? Number one, to have it must be consistent. Not going to have it. Not going to have verse 7 until you become a Christian who is what? Who is what? Consistent. Thank you. Number two, you have the peace of God. There must be unity. Look at verse 2. He said, I beseech Herodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now you have two women in the church at Philippi who were fussing. They weren't getting along. They were upset. And so one of the most disgusting, disgusting things you can have in any church is a, a church quarrel. That's, that's not good. It happened then, it happens today. So Paul is aware of the problem. And he mentions, did you notice that? He mentions these two by name. My goodness. The sad thing is, here's the sad thing, their names are in the Word of God forever. Now, if you, if, you think, listen, if you think you're right with God and you're not right with one other person, then you're not right with God. Remember that. If you're so self-righteous, Pharisaic, and you think everything's going great in your life and you're all great with God, but you're not great with one other person, 
then you're not great with God. You're not going to have the peace of God until you love everybody. Can you imagine when the word came to the church and they received that letter from Paul and all of a sudden the leader of the church got up and he began to read this letter? And over there on the side, there sat Eurodius and Syntyche, and they all mad, and they all puffed up, and they got to church that way. <laughs> and they're sitting there, and they're getting, they're, you know, he's reading a letter from Paul, and all of a sudden there they sit. They don't have peace in their heart because they don't have peace with each other, and they don't have peace with God because they don't have peace with each other. There they are. If there's anybody you haven't forgave, you need to forgive them. That's very important because you love your enemies because that's the word of God. You'll never have the peace of God until you're willing to forgive everybody, to love everybody. I can't imagine this. I've shared it before. Someday they're going to put your body in the grave. Your spirit's going to be with the Lord. They're going to put your body in the grave. And you're going to, I'm hoping, praying that you'll never be remembered when they lay your body in the grave, that you'll never be remembered of someone that's just caused problems and trouble and controversy in the church until the day you died. That'd be so terrible. I know, uh, I have good memories, a lot of people. I mentioned just a few. Frank Messer, you know, Frank was our song leader. Terry's grand, 42 years. I'm T.J. Hutchison, Mr. Hutchison. He sprayed for the ticks before we had homecoming out on the tables out here. Took care of us that way. I remember that. I remember Miss Ruth coming. She was a prayer partner of mine. Her in hospitality. Miss Ruth, Miss Pearl coming. Some of these. But whatever you do, I pray that uh, you get along with other people. Because if you don't get along with other people, you'll never have verse 7 until you have the unity that it calls for. Listen, to have peace of God, there must be rejoicing always. You see that? Look at verse 4, and I'm going to hurry. Verse 4, to have peace of God, there must be rejoicing. You see, God, don't re God doesn't permit griping and complaining. Do you know that? He says, rejoice always, except when, no, he, he says, always is when, always. He don't permit any griping and complaining. He wants us to rejoice always. So we need to adopt a new position when you hear a fellow Christian griping and complaining. Say, hey, listen, you just need to cool it and rejoice always, what the Bible tells us to do. So we need to rejoice, stop our complaining and then also, jot this down. How peace of God, number five, there must be moderation. Now, moderation, people think of, uh, when, you th when you talk about moderation, they think of, um, they think of uh, something that's controlled. It's not extreme, but it's moderate. Um, but that's not what this word means. Moderation here means to be gentle, to be good, to be kind, selflessness, forbearance, Lot, Abraham was moderated, moderate with Lot. He gave Lot, his nephew, the choice of the well-watered plains. You just take what you want, I'll take the rest. Very gentle with him. Genesis 13, 8, 
Abraham said, Let there be no strife, I pray, between thee and me, for we're brethren. And he yielded and Lot to Lot have his way. I like something that he says there. Look at verse 5 there. He says, listen, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So what is he talking about? He, verses 1 down through verse 5, he hasn't said anything about the second coming, but he says here, the Lord's at, home, at hand. You know what he said? He said, you need to be gentle and kind every day to everyone because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is with you every day. And you need to be moderate. You need to be moderate at home. Wives and husbands need to be moderate with each other, gentle and kind in the house as you are outside the house, in front of your children, as you are away from your children. Children, you need to be gentle and kind to your, to your parents. So he's speaking of everywhereness of God. Be gentle, kind to people all time because the Lord is always with you. So the question, are you living godly around your family? Are you living godly around your workplace? Are you living godly at school? Be gentle and kind. And then, number six, to have the peace of God, verse six, there must be thanksgiving. Make, must be thanksgiving. A lot of times we get all wrapped up in worrying. devil tempts me with that from time to time. But I've discovered you can't worry and be thankful at the same time. We need to be thankful. We need to alter our attitude. Think differently. We have discipleship course and how we could do that. Verse 6 has that word thanksgiving. Notice, in everything. In everything. Now, why would God say to be thankful in everything? Some of you are thinking, my goodness, how can, how can I, how should I be thankful? Or why should I be thankful in everything? Some people have some very difficult problems. I know we do in our family, health issues. And how can we be thankful in that? When, we, when we're saying, God, I want to thank you for this problem, we're saying, God, I know you're sovereign, and whatever it is in my life, you can work through it. You can bring me through it. You have the power to do that. I'm putting my faith and trust in you, and I know you're going to work out the best, whatever it is in my life that I'm experiencing, you're going to work out the best, and I want to thank you for this opportunity for you to do that. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. You know, to be... To be... Uh, to have the peace of God. We need to be consistent. We need to be unified. We need to serve God. We need to, you know, rejoice. We need to be moderate. We need to give thanks to God in all things. We, and then we'll have verse 7, which says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. You know, I just I didn't mention uh, the one in regards to serving, but um, he he noticed if you'll notice here, he says there's some women. Verse three, there's some women that's laboring and with me in the gospel. You you just need to go. You need to find out what God wants you to do, and you need to get to work too. And so, when we're not serving the Lord, we're not going to have the peace of God. And so, what I'm sharing with you this morning, if you want to have peace with God. 
then you ask Christ to forgive you. Come into your life and save you. If you want to have the peace of God, chapter, chapter, five, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and when we meet those qualifications, qualifiers, verse 7 says, and then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to open your word and think about peace with God and of God. And so I pray for each person here this morning. There may be some here this morning who do not have peace with you. I pray this morning they can understand they can be justified through faith and have peace with you through our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this morning they would be willing to say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved. I want to have that peace with God. I want to put the battle to an end, the war over. I want to make peace with God. I want to trust Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I'm coming to receive Christ, to believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I pray they'll make that decision. And then I pray for others here today, Lord, that's struggling. With some of these I've mentioned in Philippians 4, 1 through 6. And help us to realize, Lord, that if we're, if, if we're missing any of these in our life, we'll never be to verse 7. Help us to be consistent. Help us to love each other. Help us to serve you where you've gifted us with spiritual gift and our natural abilities. Help us to rejoice. Help us to be moderate, gentle, and kind to everyone. Help us to give thanks for all things and all people. And then we'll have that peace that passes all understanding. Now, work in our hearts during this invitation time. And I'll make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's gonna come.